Welcome and thank you for joining us on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption with Kelly Rourke Scary and me, Ron Rains, where we delve into the issues of adoption from every angle of the adoption triad. Do what's best for your kid and for yourself because if you can't take care of yourself, you're definitely not going to be able to take care of that kid and that's not fair. And I know that my daughter will be well taken care of with them. Don't have an abortion. Give this child a chance. All I could think about was needing to save my son. My name is Kelly Rourke-Scary. I am the executive director, president, and co-founder of Building Arizona Families Adoption Agency, the Donna K. Evans Foundation, and creator of the You Before Me campaign. I have a bachelor's degree in family studies and human development and a master's degree in education with an emphasis in school counseling. I was adopted at the age of three days, born to a teen birth mother, raised in a closed adoption, and reunited with my birth mother in 2007. I have worked in the adoption field for over 15 years. And I'm Ron Raines. I've worked in radio since 1999. I was the co-host of two successful morning shows in Prescott, Arizona. Now I work for my wife, who's an adoption attorney, and I'm able to combine these two great passions and share them on this podcast. We've talked before about why adoption can be perceived as difficult for birth mothers. Certainly. But let's talk about fears. You know, fears are different than just thinking something is difficult. Mm -hmm. Fears are maybe what keeps you up at night or makes you worry. And things that bring you anxiety. Right. Mm -hmm. And again, keep you up at night, maybe, you know, give you tummy troubles, maybe, (laughs) yeah, just those things that you really just don't sit well with. So... Let's go over what I feel are the 10 most common fears that a birth mother may have when she's actually making her adoption plan. One of the goals of our adoption agency is to provide emotional support Mm -hmm. to really show the birth mom that we care about her. We try to keep it very much like a family community feeling and we work very hard to, to be there for them. And reduce that fear and anxiety. Hopefully this podcast can help those out there that are working an adoption plan and are still struggling. So that's the goal of this podcast. Or maybe somebody out there who's listening and considering an adoption plan. Yeah. Okay. All right. So the first one, birth mothers, a lot of them worry that people will think they're a terrible person, a bad mom, and they'll never look at them the same. And I'm here to say that... A birth mother is an amazing person. My mother was an amazing person. Mm -hmm. And I never once thought of as a terrible person, a bad mom. I thought that she was amazing and selfless and brave and strong. It is my hope and dream that that is the way other birth moms are looked at as well. You know, we talked to a bunch of birth mothers and I watched you interviewing them and I noticed one thing that... I believe we talked to like 13 of them and almost to a lady every or almost to a person because we did interview some men too, but uh, they all said, gave up my baby. And every time I heard it, I got kind of a chill, but of course, you know, they're talking, I'm, I'm not going to interrupt them and correct them on this, but I think it's incumbent upon us as a society and us as a podcast to change that vocabulary to placing my baby because there was only one literally only one who said on multiple occasions i'm placing my baby and the rest said giving up giving away 
things like this. And and it kind of broke my heart a little because I want them to be educated on what they're doing and that this is a selfless act, a beautiful thing. They're not giving up or giving in or anything like that. They're doing something wonderful. I agree. And as an agency director, I will say that after today's interviews, I absolutely am going to work with our staff on teaching. Without being correcting or, you know, like scolding. Because you believe what you say. Absolutely. If you can teach somebody to say something different about themselves, they will follow suit they Mm -hmm. will think that they'll perceive it differently so if they are saying i'm giving away my baby i'm giving away my baby that's what they're thinking in their head right they didn't give away their baby they placed their baby lovingly there's a big difference huge and so i think that's a really good point another fear that birth mothers have is what if no one wants my baby (laughs) And and i don't mean to laugh but the fact is there are so many families families out there just wanting a baby, any baby, you know, no matter what your past is, nobody's going to turn your baby down. No, they're not. And people that are not familiar with adoptions and what's going on, I, I tell them, you know, there are organizations like there's an adoption agency called Reese's Rainbow. Mm-hmm. They specialize in babies with Down syndrome. They have a waiting list mile long. Uh-huh. And to me, that just gives me chills. Like, that is just beautiful. I got that feeling in, you know, in my face and in my heart. Yeah, you smiled as soon as I said that. Yeah, you broke into a big smile. And that gives me reassurance that there are good people out there. Yeah. And there are people that are adopting for the right reasons. They want all these babies, yeah. Yeah. And so I think that, again, that's something that you you celebrate. Mm -hmm. And the fact that people are lined up around the corner, hoping and praying that they can adopt a baby that has been designated to have special needs. And we get families like that as well. We get families that may have a, a deaf uh, child at home and they will call our agency and say they specifically are looking for a, a child with you know, a hearing impairment mm-hmm. because they feel that they have the skills and the knowledge and the resources to help that child. That's what, you know, birth moms need to understand. Somebody's always going to want your baby. Now, I have a question about that. When they specifically request a child that has a hearing impairment, you obviously won't know about that until the child's born. Right. Does That's got to create a complete... That's a very like hard a request. Yeah, that's, that's a really hard request to meet. Yeah. I mean, that's not something that... I would, if somebody really has their heart set on something that would be discovered after birth, I would actually maybe recommend they go into like an older child bracket and look for a child with a hearing impairment that is, you know, has already been diagnosed and maybe not a newborn. Yeah. Another one is, what if the adoptive parents don't follow through on our open adoption plan? So depending on the state that the adoption is finalized in, as will determine whether or not that state has the laws that are that make post-adoption communication agreements legally binding. If your adoption is finalized in one of those states, then you would actually have legal grounds to make sure that those agree that agreement is legally enforced. You could go back to court, ask for a mediation, and you know basically force them to follow through. Mm-hmm. What I have found in my experience is in the majority, the vast majority of cases, regardless of whether or not the adoptive family is is residing and has finalized in a state that has those laws, 
families want to do right by mm-hmm. their birth mother. You know, the families that pray will tell me that they pray every night for their birth mother with their child. The families, they fall as in love with the, the birth mother as I do the child. Mm-hmm. And they want to honor her. So it is very rare that we will have a birth mother that'll say, hey, you know, I haven't gotten pictures or letters. And we as an agency always jump up and jump in. And we will call the adoptive family and, and stand behind them. And again, I haven't seen issues in this. I, I get the concern. But, you know, you would have reassurance, not only from a state law perspective, potentially, but from an agency perspective. So this is something that I don't think should be such a concern. Now, I know that uh, the post-adoption communication agreements have kind of a stipulation that the adoptive parents can discontinue that if they feel that it's in the best interest of the child. Is that correct? Right. So where I have seen that come into play is that let's say uh, they have visits. Uh-huh. Let's say in the post-adoption communication agreement, they have visits with the child every six months. Okay. The birth parents. And right. the birth parents are showing up at those visits and they're drunk or they're high or they're doing Impaired things that somehow. would in- endanger the child. Hmm. At that point, the parents can state that visits are no longer appropriate. And the birth mother can attempt to to fight that or they can look to reevaluate that maybe a year or two years if okay. she was to get clean. Another concern that birth mothers have is what if I change my mind? This is a really big one. Adoption is a very emotional thing. It is, um, it's not like going to the store and picking out a puppy. Mm-hmm. We're talking about human beings. We're talking about life. And I think that, yes, birth mothers change their mind. Not everybody who goes in with an adoption plan can execute it. If a birth mother goes in and has every intent on placing a baby for adoption, and after the baby's born, she decides this isn't something she can proceed with, that happens. Absolutely. At that point, we need to celebrate that she's chosen a parent. Mm -hmm. If she goes in and knowingly deceives and willfully uh, does not plan on placing her baby for adoption, that is when there's a huge problem. Why would they do that? Um, Maybe they're desperate and looking for money. Mm. Maybe they have found a way to subsidize their living. Um, Because what an adoption agency provides is not money to go spend willy-nilly. It's mm. all pregnancy-related. However... It's still a check for them. Right. And the intent is to help with their living expenses during their pregnancy and then the recovery period afterwards. Right. So it's it's hard. That's a really hard one. But again, I want to reassure birth mothers that when, when you're making an adoption plan, if your heart is in the adoption plan, and that is what you're planning on doing. Now, if you're not sure you want to do an adoption plan, don't start until you do. Find out information, educate yourself. Get counseling, talk to people, people who have placed their children for adoption, as well as uh, people course. who work in the field. There's so many people to talk to. But to actually create an adoption plan and match with a family when and accept sure. living expense funds, yeah, yeah, that's not a good idea. Um, what will I tell people when they ask about my pregnancy is another concern. I think it's absolutely your choice to choose what you say and how much you say. Your pregnancy isn't any different whether or not you're doing an adoption. You're still pregnant. You're still becoming a mom. I think that you only open up to your level of comfort. I know that when I had my my first child, 
strangers would come up and put their hands on my stomach. <laughs> and I always thought that was a little different. Yeah. Like I, one, it made me nervous because as a mom, if somebody started reaching for my stomach, I instantly would put my arms down. Defensive. Right. Because mm-hmm. I didn't want them to, you know, like punch my stomach or, you know right. what I mean? Not that anybody was going to, no. but it's a defensive mechanism as yeah. a mother yeah. carrying to a To protect child. your right. baby. And so that always made me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I will never forget when I had my daughter, my first daughter, you know those uh, front packs that you carry your baby in? Mm-hmm. So she was a newborn and I had her in one. And I was walking in the parking lot to the store. I think I was going into Babies or Us. And somebody came up and pulled like the... um part where it was covering like the, the back of her neck and her head to see her so mm-hmm. they like pulled it back to see her and i remember just stiffening up and pulling away just instinctually you know right. what i mean too and i i think that sometimes people overstep i don't think they're trying to be malicious or intentionally awkward but it, it is weird now tell me something now when that would happen because obviously it's never happened to me was that mostly women that did that. No, actually, it was a gentleman. Oh, in that particular case. How about in general, when people would touch your belly when no, you're pregnant? No. I would say it was... 50-50. Mm-hmm. Because personally, I think as... almost more men than women. And I would really? say... And I always attributed it to, they don't know what it feels like. They don't know... You know, because when... I wouldn't have done that to my sister. Especially not without asking. Like, okay. if she offered... If I had a sister, said, I would have... If she said... Oh, I, he's kicking or whatever and said, put my hand on your belly. Okay, then I'd feel awkward about it, but I'd still do it. But in general, I can't imagine touching anybody's, any part of their body, especially right. a woman. You know, that I didn't know. Oh, my goodness. What about when your ex-wife was pregnant? That was my that was my wife at the time. That okay, was different. so you would touch her stomach? I would touch a- hers. That My wife. And your baby. <laughs> yeah, that's different. Okay. Somebody I don't know, or even somebody I know, but not <laughs> intimately in any way whatsoever. Yeah. That is the weirdest thing to me. I, I yeah. just don't understand it. I, I'm, I'm a little blown away by this. Right. And again, I I get it. Um, my adoptive mom would not touch my stomach mm-hmm. when I was pregnant. See, and I would think it would be more of a, a female thing to do, almost like a maternal instinct to, oh, the baby. And yeah. you know what I mean? I So I would almost understand it. Maybe it's still weird to the yeah. birth mother. Yeah, I don't wow. I don't know. But it's. I think that sometimes people take liberties for people they don't know. And again, they reach out. I, And it does kind of stop you. You know, when, when you're pregnant and you're carrying a baby and people ask very personal questions mm-hmm. and they ask and they and they touch you in a way that, you wouldn't touch somebody who wasn't pregnant. I mean, you would never walk up to some stranger. And just touch their belly. <laughs> Ever, right? right? I mean. Ever. <laughs> right. And so, wow. um, nor would you walk up to a stranger and, you know, look in the pouch of their <laughs> of their sweatshirt right. or, yeah. So, I, I was always really, <laughs> I know it's funny. I, it's crazy. I, I'm blown away by the whole thing. Yeah. You know, I've, I've also had people when I, and I don't see it as much anymore, but remember when my kids were, when my girls were younger, 15 years ago, maybe okay. 20 years ago, when you would take the car seat and you would put it on top of the stroller and it would latch in, not stroller, the uh, grocery cart, and it would uh, latch in. Okay. And I don't think they do anymore because now when I'm babysitting and you just put them right in the 
in the cart. But anyway, you put it on top of the cart. Okay. Okay. And I always, because I can be a little bit of a germaphobe, confession time, mm-hmm. I will take a, a swaddling blanket and cover the top of it. So obviously they can get fresh air, but I cover them so people are sneezing. Or... <laughs> you don't wrap it around their head. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Okay. No, but I would, I always kind of cover it, the baby. Right. Obviously, the baby can still breathe. I'm not smothering the baby, but I just, right. just people are sneezing and germs and all You're that. You're in you know, a public place. Yeah. And um, I've had people come and pull the the blanket off to look at the baby. And I just think that that's really intrusive. A little forward to me. Yeah. I, I don't know. Okay. I Thanks. would never do that. Sorry again about the tangent, but it... I, no, I would never do that. I would never walk up to somebody and, you know, look at their baby. Any about, of that. Any of that seems way too forward for me. Now walking up to pet a dog that's not yours. I wouldn't do that either, but I wouldn't feel as awkward if somebody came up and pet my dog. Although I think it's a stupid thing to do. You don't know if the dog barks or bites. Is that any different from somebody coming up and taking the leash off your hand? Taking the leash off your right. hand. Right. Yeah. Like, in other words, you know, would somebody come in and taking the blanket off the baby? Oh, right. Is that like me coming in and you're walking your dog <laughs> and, and I come and take here, your leash? Just unclip the leash. leash. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's... I. It, People are strange. Yeah. So I just, I think that when people ask you about your pregnancy, I think mm-hmm. you just do it to your comfort level. I don't Absolutely. think, you know, you, you need to tell people, well, I'm doing an adoption. I mean, it goes back to the other podcast when I was talking about, you know, when do you disclose that you're adopted? You know, is it something, right. you know, do you have to wear a t-shirt every Thursday <laughs> that just notifies the public? Hey, everybody. <laughs> I'm adopted. It's adopted day. <laughs> you know, it's it's one of those things where um, an, an analogy to that would be the last time, a long time ago, a long time ago, before um, I watched Blackfish, I went to uh, SeaWorld. Mm-hmm. And at the Shamu show, they will often say, if you're a veteran, will you please stand up? So that everyone can acknowledge you. Well, my dad stands up. <laughs> okay, right. And so in my head, I remember thinking, wow, what if they said, if you're if adopted, you're an adoptee stand up. or an adopted right. child. Or, Please yeah. stand up. And I just, you know, it's that it's that kind of thing. Like, if you're colorblind, stand up. Right. <laughs> okay. If you're colorblind, when the red light goes to green. <laughs> Everybody stay seated. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, I, I don't. I still, you know, I still think about that. And I still think, you know, at what point did I have the duty or obligation to disclose? I think, again, it's got to be something where you're at that comfort level. And but do you owe an explanation? No. Okay. You know, I don't think you do. I don't see why you would. And if somebody like 20 years down the line of your friendship said, I can't believe you never told me you were adopted and that is happened. offended. That happened. Well, then that sounds like their problem, not yours. Had you hit it from them or tried I think to I deceive had. them? No, I didn't try to deceive, but I think I think going back to that. Because we did talk a little. I don't think I was forthright. I don't think, I think there were times where I may have been more elusive and not really forthcoming. Right. Kind of like you said. Wishy-washy answers. When somebody would say, well, does your family have a history of this? And you would say no. At the time, what was I supposed to say? I don't know. Because you didn't know. Right? I didn't know. But I, I I could see somebody saying, I don't know. <laughs> right. Or um, There's a ton of stuff I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And and it's just one of those things where, you yeah, you just don't know. And again, I can relate it to you being colorblind. Do you, you have to tell somebody? And 
I go back to, no, I guess I don't really have to. What is the normal when response I, when you tell somebody? Uh, it's usually curiosity, probably the same with you and your adoption. It's a lot of, oh, well, what does this look like? And that's hard to explain because I've never seen colors. So I don't know what you see. And for anybody who's out there curious listening, the best explanation I could give for my colorblindness is that it's like, you may not have ever heard of this before, an old black and white TV. Because I believe that that's essentially black, white, and kind of shades of gray. I don't see any real colors in there. Occasionally I can tell something is red, but only sometimes, not always. Usually I can't. And so, yeah, I, that's kind of how I will explain it when somebody So that's like asking ask. an adopted child what it feels like to be yeah, adopted. Yeah, what does it feel like to be adopted? I don't know. The same as, I guess, you feel like not being adopted. You're still a human being. Yeah. I don't know. It's very interesting. We I like the discussions about this because it really makes me think. Because I never really thought of adopted people as being different or the But even only... the term adopted people. Like, you can right. flip it and say... The not adopted Non-adopted. people. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. I just thought they're people. We are people. Are you really? <laughs> you <laughs> actually people. have a soul in yeah, everything? absolutely. <laughs> I even sleep at night and dream. And, no! Yeah. No, I, I think that that is really important. I think that it it, it is. And I, I'm still in my head going back and forth thinking. What do I owe anybody else on this topic? or If anything. And I don't think you do, personally. Right. And then you go into the, well, do you let somebody touch your stomach? I mean, I don't think you need to, but... I don't think so either. If it was me... But is it worth offending them? Obviously, if it's somebody you don't know, sure. You're not comfortable with... I'm not comfortable with people being in my space. Like, I know people I've worked through the years who are like huggers. I'm not. I'll give you a handshake. I'm okay with that. And... You, maybe a side hug with a family member, you know, like a brother, brother-in-law, something like that. I'm just not a hugger. I don't like people being in that space. So I would feel very awkward somebody just touching me on any body part. So if somebody came up and started putting their hands on your stomach, you would... I'd be pretty standoffish. I'd back up. I mean, I wouldn't be offensive to them, but I'd just kind of yeah, let them know that I felt awkward about the situation. And when you had your son... Um, out in public and he was a newborn or, you know, a young baby, did people ever come in and invade your space? Um, to some degree, I never felt like it was out of line to where they were like getting under the blanket, like you said, you know, I think it was more, oh, he's really cute and looking at him, maybe pinching a cheek or something. I mean, probably not even that, but nothing that I felt like oh, God, they're violating my son's space or my space or right. anything like that. So what I find really interesting, too, is when, when people ask questions about, you know, somebody being pregnant, mm-hmm. they always ask, are you having a boy or a girl? And I always think, why do you care? Yeah. I've never understood that. I think maybe it's along the lines of, boy, the weather's nice lately. You know, just something to say. Kind of like, I see you're pregnant and... That's they need how to I'm know if you're feel. having a boy or a girl? I don't think they need to know that. I think they're just trying to converse with you about okay. it and empathize with you maybe. I don't – I'm guessing. Empathize? I'm speculating. Oh, you're having a boy. Sorry. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like what, like what do you, what do you mean by that? Like, right. 
boy, I'm so disappointed it's going to be a girl. I mean, <laughs> with this stranger that I've never seen before in my life and likely never will again. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, yeah. People I mean, are weird, I, you know, in weird ways. And everybody's got their different weird ways, I guess. Yeah. So I guess the takeaway from this this part of the conversation is <laughs> maybe ask before you touch. Yeah. Definitely. Just like with a dog, ask before you touch. Yeah, does this dog bark? Does this... Does this do tummy bite? I, yeah, does, do you <laughs> mind if I touch this tummy? And I kind of do, so don't. <laughs> okay. Right. All right, so another fear is, will the OBGYN office judge me? I don't absolutely. believe so. Not. I oh, don't. not. Absolutely not. That's what right. <laughs> and OBGYN officers are very familiar with adoption. Yeah. We get a lot of referrals from uh, OBGYN offices and... In most cases, they view adoption as an amazing choice. Mm-hmm. Another one is, how will I know if I choose the right adoptive family? I am a very firm believer, no offense, mm-hmm. in women intuition. Okay. So I can't, I can't speak for a man because I haven't been in your head. But <laughs> I think that women's intuition is very strong. It okay. is like the force, you know, when you right. – like for Star Wars fans. You know you know you just know yeah and you know and if you don't think it's right it probably isn't you yes know, always the wrong family for you you know they say when you're walking through a parking lot at night and the back of your neck the hair starts to stand up listen to that mm-hmm. and i would say same thing with choosing an adoptive family you know you, every birth mother has told me when i looked through the profiles i knew hmm. it's just something that just clicks like they just knew I would say you should find some type of peace. And if you're not sure, make a phone call with a family before you choose them officially. Um, have some kind of communication with them. But really go with your intuition. Okay. Always go with your, go with your intuition. Another one is if the birth mother has used drugs during her pregnancy, will the adoptive family still want her baby? And I think that was already answered before. Right. Absolutely. Um, but you want to make sure that you disclose everything you're using to the agency. Definitely. This way they can make sure that they match you with a family that is open to, ready to accept a substance exo- exposed baby and is prepared and ready for any medical issues that may arise. And what if the father of the baby changes his mind and wants the baby? So this is one that I get asked quite a bit from birth mothers. And again, it's going to depend on your state laws. In the state of Arizona, if he has been served with an adoption notice and has not filed within the 30-day time frame, then his time has passed without any paternity actions, and he may no longer have the ability to interfere with the adoption. Mm-hmm. At that point, it is just the birth mother's choice. If he's giving you a hard time about the adoption and this is your plan and this is what you're doing, then maybe don't have him around you during the time that you have to sign the paperwork and maybe let him know that this is your decision and you're sorry that he doesn't agree with your decision, but he had his time to contest his decision and that time has passed. And 10, the last one is, will I be alone after the baby is placed for adoption? That is your choice. This shouldn't be a fear. This is a choice. You can choose not to be alone. With our agency, we have an aftercare program. The Donna K. Evans Foundation. Donna K. Evans Foundation, absolutely. We have group uh, counseling classes. Uh, We have sessions that you can come in and talk with other birth moms, activities for you to engage in. Um, You can focus on you and work on achieving your dreams. You can get out there. The birth mother adoption community is huge. You just need to find your tribe. 
I think that you can choose to sit alone and be sad and wallow, or you can choose to get up and move and find ways to not be alone. So I would say that fear is within your control. I would say my best advice on this is have faith, not fear. You're welcome to call and text us whenever you're ready. If you're thinking about placing your unborn baby for adoption, the number to call us is 623-695-4112. Or you can email us at info at buildingarizonafamilies.com. We have a pregnancy crisis hotline available 24-7 by phone or text at 623-695-4112. Or you can call our toll-free number 1-800-340-9665. We can make an immediate appointment with you to get you to a safe place, provide food and clothing, and start it on creating an Arizona adoption plan or give you more information. You can check out our blogs on our website at azpregnancyhelp.com. Thank you for joining us on Birth Mother Matters and Adoption, written and produced by Kelly Rourke Scary and edited by me, Ron Rains. If you enjoy this podcast, rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, thanks to Grapes for letting us use their song I Don't Know as our theme song. Join us next time for Birth Mother Matters in Adoption. For Kelly Rourke Scary, I'm Ron Rains, and we'll see you then.